Welcome back to the RIJ Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie J. And tonight, well, tonight we're going to keep it simple. I got a couple of things I want to talk about. Nothing crazy. I mean, look, I just figured I'd give you, I didn't record anything last week, so I'm going to give you three episodes this week. Three episodes in one freaking week. You love to see it. Or maybe you hate to see it. Kind of depends. Um, you know, one of the things I've noticed is whenever you... Whenever you take your vehicle to the dealer, and I know people will be like, oh, no, that's your first mistake, buddy. Don't take it to the dealer. No. I mean, isn't everyone in business to rip you off? I mean, you always hear that everybody has a guy, right? Well, I got a guy for that. I got a guy for that. You know, everyone's got a guy. Sure you do. But anyway, um, I think when it comes down to like at least car services, All of it is a scam, okay? The whole service industry uh, around vehicles, the whole selling you a car, all of that is a scam. It just is. It always has been. It's just trying to fleece as much money as they can from you at any given time. So my thing is, if, if I already know that going into it, unless I have the guy, which I don't have. I don't have a guy, okay? I just, and as I told people, I recently moved to Georgia. So, you know, you're like, well, that was 80 years ago. Okay, well, you know what I mean? Like, if recent as far as my history of being alive recently, you know, I moved to Georgia. I don't have a guy. I don't know anybody. I don't know anyone I trust. I don't know anyone here, technically. I mean, I've, I've built relationships while I've been here, but do I know people here? Well, not like I did when I was in Maryland, no. So, you know, you I just go with a dealer. It's a, it's it's where I bought the car. They gave me a good deal on it. I, I mean, and you're like, well, they give you a good deal on it and then fleece you later. Yeah, well, of course. And that's really what I'm going to talk about today is that I did. Well, they attempted to fleece me, but I didn't do that. Um, but, you know, it's just agitating to me because they'll, it just, it's, it, car maintenance seems to follow a particular flow. And I, whenever I, I know that over the course of a year, no matter how new my car is or how old my car is, it's going to cost me roughly the same amount of money every year. How is that possible? And I know that folks are like, well, you take an oil change, a hundred bucks and all. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like every time it's once because I take it, what, three to four times a year. Right? I don't drive. I only drive it back and forth to work. So only take it three or four times a year to get it taken care of. I, I'm pretty sure that I have the synthetic oil because it lasts like 87 million miles. I mean, you know, I don't use it that much. So let's just say it's four times a year I have to take my car there. When in, invariably, one out of the four will always be over $1,000 worth of repairs every time. Now, my car has 40,000 miles on it. It's it's practically brand new, Right. And I know some people say, well, it's it's halfway through its life. Okay, well, I mean, that's fair, probably. I mean, I only have a year and a half left to pay on it. So it is pretty much, I'm almost to the five-year point of my loan, right? In six months, it will be four, four years old. I have a year left to pay on it. So I am, I'm reaching the end here. In 2025, I pay it off. Uh, I'll probably pay it off a little bit sooner because that's a pretty big chunk of change to just have sitting out there. But as it were, as you do, I mean, I, I just... <laughs> It's, it's invariably every every year I have to fork out a thousand dollars. Now sometimes I think it's relevant, and sometimes I'm like, "What are you making shit up?" So like, well, what are you getting at, Robbie J? What exactly happened? Well, I take it over to the to the dealer, 
and have them do their little baby thing. I mean, it's time to have the oil service. I try and keep on a schedule. I usually, my rule of thumb is, and people will disagree, I'm sure, is that I usually, my car has a built-in, you know, tachometer type thing. It tells me when I'm due for my oil change. My oil, as they say in Maryland, my oil change. Well, Coach's car has, which I think is 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 a bit more helpful, um, is that it actually keeps track of the percentage that your oil is viable. So like at 15%, it recommends that she change her oil, but it keeps track of the percentage. With me, it's a mile thing. So I, with me going back and forth to work, that's not really putting a major strain on my vehicle. So I tend to give myself more time than the computer allots me. So the computer will come in and give me some dummy thing and be like, you have 500 miles until you need to get service. And I'm just like, nah, it's probably more like 1500. So that's what I do. I always add on about a thousand miles to it. I just do. And people can disagree, disagree and be like, oh, you got the life, the longevity, the portfolio. You know, people can get all upset about that. But honestly, I just think it's a scam. I really do. I don't think that oil needs to be changed that frequently. I really don't. If you're, that is, if you're, if you're going all over the place, if you're doing 35,000 miles a day, sure, you need to get your oil changed, you know, frequently. But for me, I, I rarely use it. And I know folks will be like, well, I mean, that's what the mileage is for. If you go two miles a day, it'll take you forever to get there. Yeah, but I also look at it from a wear and tear perspective. I really do. I mean, if I'm going back and forth to work and that's it, that's all I really use my vehicle for. And you're like, well, it depends on how far your work is from you. It's about a half hour away. Not terrible. And it's a half hour only because traffic's terrible. It's really, if if you cut the shit, it's about a 17-minute drive. I could get to work in 17 minutes. Now, today on the way home, it took me an hour to get home because traffic. So it just depends. But as far as wear and tear is concerned, I mean, I'm in a good place because I don't really, you know, I'm not doing any like stop and go shit. Um, you know, I'm not in New York City or some dummy thing and have some some crazy transvestite trying to steal my car. It's nothing like that, right? We're not in a crime-ridden city here. You know, there's no need to like slam on the brakes or act crazy because most people in Georgia are very like light about traffic and, you know, they'll let you in and they'll smile and wave at you. You know, shit that doesn't happen in Maryland. I mean, we've had these conversations before where, you know, I'm not a big fan of Maryland, as, as you all know. Um, but as we kind of look at the, the traffic situation, like people are nice down here, right? And you're like, well, what does that have to do with your with your oil? Well, I'll tell you. I'm glad you asked. Um, nothing. I just wanted to bring it up because, you know, I thought it was important. But anyway, um, what I really wanted to talk about was, so I take it in and they come back with all this, this dummy shit. They're like, oh, your electrical system needs an upgrade. That's $140. You're going to need to get your oil changed. The filter is going to cost $70. And all this stuff. And I'm, you know, look, it, it's it's Joe Biden's economy. I don't have money to be fucking around anymore. So $70 for a filter change, you know, back back in the days when, when we were making big money and, you know, best numbers of our lives type thing. I mean, I found that I didn't care whether it was $70. I don't care. I got I got I got plenty. I mean, I don't need to worry about I'm not, you know, Miss Pete and I talk about this. There becomes a point when you're not rich per se, but you're at a point where you're just like, you're not going to nickel and dime everything anymore. Some things are just like, well, it's just the cost of doing business, right? 
But in this economy, it's not really the cost of doing business. I'm going to like really scrutinize this stuff. So I get my little baby text message. They say, these are the things that we've identified as needing repair. So I told you electrical system. I did do that. Um, they said uh, that, you know, tire rotation, whatever, 30 bucks. I mean, that's probably excessive, whatever. I just, just do it. Um, the oil, oil change in the filter, the oil change was 30. The filter was fucking 70, 75. So I, I opted to just buy a $15 filter and put it in myself, which I did yesterday. Um, and then on top of that, they come back with, well, your spark plugs need to be replaced. <laughs> so originally, you know, coach, coach is, is kind of the recipient of this. It's a long story. How we bought my car is that coach pretty much purchased it because she was actually here. Um, and I was stuck in England, England, you know, when I was coming back. So she essentially purchased my car and it's the exact opposite for her car. I'm the primary on her car. So when they're doing service on her car, they typically contact me. It's weird, whatever. Anyway, so she gets the message and stuff like that. And her dad is a, is a, a former mechanic. So she likes to, uh, you know, it kind of pisses me off sometimes because she's always like, well, I want to talk to my dad about it. And I'm just like, you know, that's not, it's kind of emasculating to have to go to your father-in-law to ask him, um, excuse me, father-in-law, could you tell me whether this repair is legitimate? But when she came up to tell me and she told me, well, you know, they're, they're talking about your spark plugs. And I'm like, what? Spark plugs? I'm like, that doesn't sound right to me. And the, and the cost was, I mean, the cost for everything to go together was over, a, it was like $1,100. It was extremely expensive. And I'm like, spark plugs for what though? I mean, again, as I say, much like the oil, I'm only going back and forth to work. So she was like, well, do you mind if I call my dad and ask him? And I said, in this situation, no, because I don't want to pay $1,100 to fix my car. No, thanks. So if your dad's going to tell me it's not necessary, then I'm not fucking doing it. If he tells me, yeah, it's that time, you're at 40,000, it's time to change your spark plugs, it's fine. So in the meantime, she goes downstairs to, to call him and I start looking it up on the internets. And lo and behold, what do I find? Well, thank God for Jiffy Lube, I'm gonna give them 69 points of credit. They have a whole diagnostics page. And it said that at least nine times out of 10, that's when you need spark plugs is at 100,000 miles. So of course they were fleecing me, this is a bunch of pieces of shit. So just to just to check myself before I wrecked myself, I also looked into it to make sure, you know, what are the what do you notice if your spark plugs are going bad? What do you notice? Right. I'm not a car guy. I'm a car guy, but I'm not a car guy. And I had this conversation with coach. She's like, you're not a car guy. And I said, yes, I am. I'm a car guy. She's like, you know, not anything about cars. I was like, well, that's not what a car guy is. I'm not a I'm not a mechanical car guy. Like I don't fix up cars in my garage. I'm not have any interest in that. I like restoring furniture. I do that. I'm pretty good at that too. Not, not to toot my own horn, but <laughs> if you're looking for a furniture restoration, I can do that for you. It's fairly expensive, but worthwhile. But anyway, um, she's like, Well, you're not a car guy. I'm like, Yes, I am. She was like, well, what, is that? what does that mean exactly? I said, well, I'd have a showroom full of cars. I love vehicles. I love them. I mean, if I could have, you know, if I was a millionaire or whatever, or a good jillionaire, I would have a huge fucking like warehouse full of vehicles. I just would. Some of them I would drive and some of them I wouldn't. And she was like, well, give me a call. <laughs> Coach is going to get mad. Give me a couple examples of like what you would buy. 
Well, of course, most of my the cars that I want are movie related. Like I want an Ecto one in pristine condition. I want to have the sirens. You know, I want to have it. I want to go down the street in Ecto one. I really do. And before I die, I will have an Ecto one. I'm telling you right now. The last I looked. It's about $200,000 to purchase that vehicle. But anyway, remember, in this tale, I'm a millionaire, so you got to talk about it. So that's one. I want the Tumblr from the Batman series. Um, I want the original Batmobile from uh, 1989 Batman. All these things, right? I want one of the cars from Mad Max. Just, just that kind of just cool shit. That's what I want. I want a 69 Mustang. I want a fucking you know, SS, all kinds of shit. I just want to have the cool cars, bro. I want to have a Dodge Challenger. There's just shit that I want, okay? Leave me be, all right? I want a Rolls Royce. I want a Bentley. All kinds of shit. All kinds of shit. I like, there's several Audis that I like, Audis that I like. Um, Just, I'm just, like, I, I like cars from that aspect. Like, I like owning them. I don't want to, I don't want to fix them. I don't, I don't care about that. Like, my cousins were really big in restoring uh, Mustangs. They actually had a business where they would literally restore old Mustangs from the 60s and stuff like that. And they did a fantastic job. Unfortunately, when my uncle passed away, they kind of let that go. And that, that's fine. But the business at the time was called High Horse. And they used to restore. It was They did amazing work. I mean, really incredible. So big plug to them. Um, but I, I've never been mechanically inclined. Like, I don't want to do that. I hate technology. I don't like fucking with stuff. I, I like doing furniture is easy because I just, I can, I get it. Right. It's like, you know, you put all the the pieces together, you put your mask on the pieces and you put them in your area and you try not to get COVID-19, you know, that kind of stuff. So anywho, um, you know, so I've always kind of been interested just in owning vehicles. So she's right on one aspect in that. No, I'm not a car person in that I don't fix them up. But I'm a car person in that I'm a man. I love to. I would love to own several, several warehouses full of vehicles. <laughs> I wish I could, you know. But I mean, it's just not in the cards, and it'll never happen. But I will own Ecto one one day. I'm just letting you know. You can hold me to that. One day you will see me on the street, and if you hear the sound, you know it's me. So anyway. Getting back to it. Well, her dad comes back and he said, he was like, that's ridiculous. You don't need spark plugs. Are you having any? Because that was the other thing the internet said. The internet was you have sputtering. You know, is your engine misfiring? Are you noticing that it doesn't turn on right? All these. All, I'm like, I don't have any of these issues. And I mean, based on what he was saying, he was like, there's no way you need to have that. He's like, that's a hundred thousand mile job. Right. So get Ben so they can get Fox and we're not going back there anymore. So I'm going to try and find a guy, quote unquote. Now, my neighbor, Miss Nick, he says that he has a guy. I don't know. He also said that that his guy said that you don't need to change the air filter that often at all. He was like, if you just take a um, some pressurized air and take the air filter out and squirt it off with some air and put it back in, it's good for another like 10, 12,000 miles. <laughs> I was like, well, all these things that you learn. So maybe I'm going to go with Miss Next Guy. We'll see what happens. But anyway, so that was kind of my my tale of woe. I just, you know, they're always finding shit. They, they just try and nickel and dime you for every fucking thing. And I get tired of it. But that's America, right? America's always been that way. That's nothing new. That's not culture related. It's just always been that way. I mean, I hate buying cars. Um I'm not the guy who can go into a car dealership and get a deal. I'm just, I'm just not that guy. Like they just look at me and they say, Oh, this big nose motherfucker. Nah, he's an idiot. And for the most part, they're right. I mean, I don't know anything about it. 
you know, I know you know, MSRP and you can take off percentages and, and, and you can go in and you can, you can haggle with them. I'm not a haggle guy. I'm just not. Maybe I'm a, maybe I should do CarMax. Maybe CarMax is my future. So I don't have to haggle. I'm just not a haggler. I don't like it. You know, some people get really excited. If you remember Christmas story where the old man, when they go and he loves finding a deal and he gets to haggle with the guy at the Christmas tree lot and stuff like that. He just loves doing it. Throw in the twine and it's a deal. That kind of thing. I like the old man in that regard because he's right. That's kind of fun. But I, that's not fun for me. That's not fun for me. Okay. Anyway, so that's my kind of my car story of woe. And it, it just pisses me off because I'm just I'm sick of getting, you know, screwed all the time. Um. I, I guess, so the next thing I wanted to talk about, you know, since we have a minute, um, I really wanted to talk about militancy. I was thinking about this the other day, actually today, I was having a conversation at work about uh, an employee that we had who was, uh, she was a lesbian. Not, nothing bad, wrong with that. You know, as as Seinfeld, <laughs> excuse me, as Seinfeld would say, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with it. Right. So she was a lesbian and stuff, and she kept it closely hidden. I mean, you could tell, though, right? I mean, you can. I think you can tell. I, no offense to everyone out there in, in listening land, but I think nine times out of ten, you can tell when someone, you know, is playing for the same team type. So I think with her was pretty obvious, and that's fine. Um, but it, it kind of occurred to me because uh, she wanted to move um, from Georgia to another state. And I, I half wondered... It just occurred to me that I was just like, I wonder if she wants to move because she doesn't feel welcome here. You know, now I personally, as a cisgendered white male, um, I've never encountered anything that I would even consider remotely racist or, I mean, there's sexism is kind of everywhere, I think. Um, but like... Um, Anything racist, anything like homophobic type things. And I mean true homophobia, not like progressive homophobia. Like they think if you don't like someone who's gay that you're a homophobic piece of shit. I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about like true, like you hate someone because they're gay. That's what I'm talking about. I don't really see that down here, but that's not my lived experience, right? So I wouldn't know. Um, so I, I just felt bad that where I had in my head at least that perhaps that she wanted to leave because she didn't feel comfortable here. I don't know that that to be true. I completely made that up. But it occurred to me in that moment while I was thinking about her moving in that I think that people can can hear what I say on the podcast and they think that, you know, I'm, uh, you know, all the, all the things, the istophobes, right? I'm, you know, I don't, um, oh, Robbie J doesn't like the black people. He doesn't like the gays. He doesn't. He doesn't like, he's so conservative. And I think that that's a cop-out. I really do. I think I think progressives love to use those targeted attacks, which are meaningless. Oh, he's a Christian, so he doesn't like any. What would Jesus do? First off, uh, a progressive, if a progressive lectures you on what Jesus would do, you should probably tell them to look in the mirror. No progressive should be lecturing you on what Jesus would do. I mean, progressives are the same people that would teach kids about, um, you know, giving people blowjobs in school. I mean, I mean, seriously, these are the people who think it's OK to have porn books in the library of, of elementary schools. Like, that's too far. It's too far. OK, well, it's been proven that they have, 
you should look up some of these books. I mean, I, I know they call it book banning. You know, that's the big trope right now is it's book banning. You don't like free speech because you're a book banner. No, I just don't like porn in my kid's school. So I'm, I'm apologize for that. Um, but uh, there's a there's a, a famous book called Gender Queer, and you just look up the book and you tell me. And that's been that has been in kids libraries. So there you go. There's my mic drop for you. Go ahead and research that. Anywho, I didn't really want to get on that topic, but you know, I, I come to the point where it just kind of occurred to me in my head that, you know, we always get these labels thrown at us and stuff like that. And I, I really feel like the pushback is, is very simple to me. And, and the pushback is just, just be, just because I have certain views doesn't make me an istophobe, as they say. But the reason why I cringe, why I don't like the other side of the aisle when they get into their, their, you know, well, we need to have a conversation. That's one of my favorite lines, by the way, when, when progressives say we need to have a conversation. They don't mean conversation. They mean they want to have a lecture. They want to lecture you about how horrible you are. It's not a conversation. Conversation denotes back and forth. They're not interested in that. They want to just tell you why you're an idiot and why you're an istophobe. Well, anyway... I think what I kind of zeroed in on is the, what I have a problem with is called militancy. And it kind of, it kind of opened me up today. That's what she said. It kind of opened me up to understanding why I think the way that I do. And, you know, cause, cause you're looking at this situation if you're on the left and you're saying, well, you, you had a moment where you realized that this person could have, have felt uncomfortable because of the way that she was treated. So why don't you understand the plight of folks who are in the the LGBT community? And and my point is, I absolutely do understand what it feels like to to feel ostracized. I I understand that completely. And you know, some would say, "Well, as a cisgender white male, you don't know really what it feels like." Well, you don't know that I don't know what it feels like, right? And I don't know that I know what it feels like because you're making an assumption as much as I am. Right. Just because I look a certain way or I am a certain way or I'm heterosexual doesn't mean that I don't understand what pain feels like. I think I do. Um, And we can go back and forth on, well, you don't understand levels. You don't understand this. Okay, well, I mean, you can get bent, too, I I, I guess. But my point is human suffering is human suffering, regardless of where it comes from. Um, But but the issue that I have and what I really zeroed in on is that I have an issue with militancy. I have a problem with people who are so fucking one-sided that they will call you names and stuff because you just don't necessarily agree with them. Now, from my standpoint, could she have left because she felt uncomfortable here? Yeah, and that may, that saddens me. I don't like that. I don't like that somebody could have felt ostracized where they don't feel like they're a member of the community, whether they're gay, trans, uh, you know, albino, whatever the fuck. I don't want anyone to feel like that. That That's terrible. I, I don't want that. I mean, I think that we get a bad rap as conservatives. Everybody thinks that we're just like some sort of dickheads that we just want everyone to like burn or something. And that's not the case at all. I want you to live a prosperous life. I want you to live free um, from people treating you like shit. I want you to just enjoy yourself. I want you to, to truly have the ability to live any way that you want to within reason, right? And when I say with I when I say the caveat of within reason, like um, I don't agree with bestiality. I never will. You're not allowed to fuck animals. That's fucked up. You're not allowed to do things with kids. Um, 
And the list, you're not allowed to rape people. You're not allowed to, I mean, and, you know, it just goes on from there. There's certain things I'm just never going to be okay with. But as far as lifestyle choices, I really don't care what your lifestyle choices. That's between you and the almighty, not between me. You don't have to run that past me. But you also don't have to be a militant asshole about it. That's where I'm really coming down. So militancy for me is just being a fucking cunt about everything. Everything that you say, everything you do is coming from the perspective of tearing people down or calling people names, or if you don't agree with me, you're evil, you're Hitler, you're this, you're that. Now, this is predominantly, I would say, 98% on the left. Just is. The leftists are the ones that love throwing around, you're, you're, you're this, you're that, oh, oh, you hurt my feelings. I mean, honestly, you can get fucked. The left can get fucked. I'm tired of it. Just fuck off. But... I, I really think that that's where I come down to, uh, from COVID to, to um, you know, this, this shit in movies to it's just militant. It's militancy. When we saw what we saw with COVID was just I'm right and you're wrong and you need to shut the fuck up. No, that's not how this works. And that's ant- antithetical to science, quite frankly. Everyone is entitled to an opinion, whether you like it or not. That's what we were kind of built on. I know everyone's forgotten that. But that's kind of what the American system is based on, is that people have opposing views. Now, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. I mean, recently, I don't really agree with what uh, Ohio did with with their their full on uh, abortion all the way through the kids nine years old. I don't agree with that. Right. But in the same respect, they did the constitutional process. Ohio voted and their constituency decided that they wanted to. Uh, encapsulate abortion into their constitution. And that's their choice. And I'm okay with that. I don't think anything should be done about that. I don't think the federal government has the right to come in and be like, you can't do that. Yes, they can. That's their state. And if that's what they choose to do, that's what they choose to do. It's not for me, but I don't live there. So whatever, you do whatever you want. I don't agree with it, but fine. But that's my point. I'm not a militant asshole about it. You know, if, if you change the paradigm, if I was a militant ass, I would be, oh, we need to ban people from going. To, we need to ban businesses from doing business with Ohio. We need to teach them a lesson. We need to make sure that everyone in Ohio knows that they're not welcome in Georgia. We need to make sure that we put some some sort of some sort of dickhead Jones on the border there. We need to we need to put a big wall around Ohio. That's how these people act all the time. That's being a militant asshole, and I don't like it. People are allowed to choose what they want. As long as you're not hurting someone, and I want to caveat that, violence is not words. Words are not violence. I just want to let you know, you violence, <laughs> violence is not encapsulated in a word. I'm sorry. Sorry, progressives, but that's not real. So when we're talking about you know, mean words and shit. I, that's where the left has completely lost me. I don't understand what the fuck they're talking about. If you're complaining because somebody was mean to you, welcome to America, I guess. I mean, people are mean here. I, I don't know what to tell you. People are mean everywhere. People are horrible to each other and people kill each other. I, I mean, that's welcome. It, that's humanity. We're a fallen species. It's just the truth. So, you know, that's where I kind of get off where I don't, want to ever be in the space where I'm restricting what you have to say or how you feel about an issue. You can have whatever opinion you want. And I think that's always been my side of things is you can have whatever opinion you want 
I can think your opinion is the dumbest goddamn opinion I've ever heard in my life. And I, and most of the time, I, for most people that know me, I'll just let you speak about it. I don't care because it doesn't affect me. Your worldview doesn't affect me until it does. And then I have a problem with it. But you're allowed to have your opinions. I don't care about any of that stuff. If you think that they should have porn in schools, then you think they should have porn in schools. I don't agree with you. Um, and we'd have to talk about it. And if in my jurisdiction, I find that you're putting porn in my schools, I'm probably going to rip your head off. But that's what would happen in my jurisdiction. If you want to do it in yours, in La La Land, progressive utopia land, that's your prerogative. I don't care. But don't do that with me, mate. We ain't cool with that. But and I know I, I know people will think I'm just dumbing this down to the lowest possible common denominator. I, you know, we're not going in depth here and I don't have someone sitting across from me. You know, if someone wants to to come on the RIJ podcast and we'll have just a, a, a debate, a long form debate, we can talk about all these topics. No problem. I don't see. And that's the other thing. I don't have to win. I don't care about winning. I just want to have a nice conversation. Right. That's what you guys always say. Let's have a conversation about this. But I mean a real conversation. You mean a lecture. Let's just be honest about it. But anyway, as we get into it, I just I, I kind of realized that today. I'm like, I, I don't think people understand where I'm coming from with certain things. In that this has nothing to do with differences of opinion. This has to do with the level of militancy that I see. And on one side of the aisle, you have people who are willing to talk and willing to concede ground. And on the other side of the aisle, you have people that just want to shout you down and tell you you're a fucking idiot. And I mean, maybe those people are right sometimes. Maybe sometimes we are fucking idiots. And I'm fine with that. But you're not going to get me onto your side. You're not going to build bridges with me if you constantly call me names and tell me that I'm wrong about everything. And the same is true for me. If I called you, uh, you know, you're a you're a heathen and you're burning, you're going to burn in hell. Is that really going to bring them to our side? No, absolutely not. You, you got the olive branch is important for this reason. Sure, you have to have the spear, too. But the olive branch is important because how are you going to get someone on your side if you're constantly a militant asshole? It just doesn't work. Anyway, I appreciate you all listening. This is the third episode this week of the REJ podcast. I'm Robbie J. I hope you enjoy yourself. Um, my hope is to have an episode out for Thanksgiving week. I'll do my best. I appreciate you all listening. Have a great day. Bye.